0: all right we are here with christina hello hi christina (laughs) do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself
1: hi my name's christina she her her she and i've been doing latin dance for going on five years now oh Oh, actually almost six years. And starting in 2016, I decided I wanted to just go to school to be a dance therapist. So for me, um, dance has been an amazing, amazing experience where it's helped me heal past a lot of my personal issues, a lot of issues I've had from my past. And one day I realized how powerful dance can be as a healing modality and what it can do for other people as well.
2: So what exactly does a dance therapist do? Like what would that, like what does a career in dance therapy look like?
1: So a dance movement therapist um, is somebody who has a master's degree typically in that field. And what they do is they use dance, but not just structured dance, but also just general body movements to help people express themselves. And it could be people who have a hard time with physical movement, who um, need some kind of movement in their life to just kind of like f- help them work through their pains and their, their physical ailments. And it can be something more targeted for what I want to go into, which is... Um, helping people who have been through severe trauma, such as human trafficking and other large traumas who, that can cause people to become fearful of their own bodies, um, to be wary of physical contact with others. And I wanna help use dance as a tool to help them feel more empowered in themselves and their own bodies and to um, reclaim that for themselves.
2: Do you mind sharing about, like, your experience, like how dance has helped you personally? Uh,
1: yeah, actually. Um, for me, growing up, I had, on the surface, I had a, everything made. I had a wonderful, loving, supporting family. I grew up middle class. Like, I never had to worry about a lot of issues other people did have to worry about. But I never had a very good concept of Of loss, of losing people, and from a young age, I lost important people in my life, and it just caused me to look at the world a different way. I didn't want to get close to people because in my mind, whether they wanted to or not, they were going to leave me, and it made me um, very closed off on the inside. I made a lot of very good surface relationships, but not any deeper than that. Um, and it, it did cause a lot of issues with my own mental well-being, especially when I started struggling with coming to terms of being bisexual and not wanting to accept that for myself. Um, I felt so insecure. I didn't want to reach out for any kind of support, even though it was readily available to me. I got too inside of my own head and I was just scared in general. Um, and even at the time I started dancing, I was in... A relationship that was not good for me. Um, It felt mentally and emotionally abusive, even though this person never physically hurt me. Um, The things they would say about me, towards me, uh, made me feel even more insecure, more into my shell. But as this was happening, I had started to social dance. I had started to take classes. I had started to learn and become a a part of a larger community, and not only was I connecting to music that I had grown up with um, as part of my culture and my background, but I was connecting with these people, and I could express myself in this dance, I could just let myself feel the emotional lyrics of the dance, especially sad songs, because when I was feeling sad, I never wanted anyone to know that I was sad. So if I had a sad face during a sad song, it's part of the dance. So I could express that freely in a safe space and not be afraid. And I would feel so much more uplifted and happy after this dance, after this connection with another human being in this time. It was just me, this person and this dance. And as I continued going on, um, I realized I didn't want to be in this relationship anymore. so um, but it didn't quite end at that. And this person began to be not quite threatening me, but like um, harassing me, I would say, and showing up to my home when I asked them not to, repetitively calling me and it was it was making me very unnerved and scared and you know, finally this person, try to corner me after a dance event and um, try to force me to talk to him while he was drunk and it was just a very very terrifying night and because of that I actually almost gave up dance I almost didn't keep going and looking back on that now I feel like I would have been a very different person I feel like collectively meeting such amazing people that I have over my my time in dance, um, being able to express myself when I'm angry, when I'm sad, when I'm happy, to feel set free by this movement, um, I feel like it has helped me be more at peace with myself, who I am as a person, that I am valid and I am accepted and I am loved. And all this healing was going on undercover without me even realizing what was happening. And by the time I realized that, hey, I haven't had these bad thoughts about myself in a while. I haven't had this happen in a while. By the time I realized that, I had already healed to the point of being more able to accept myself. And I just wanted to shout it from the rooftops. I wanted everyone to know this. I I had never known this community had existed before.
0: Before we get too far away from it, I do wanna like backtrack a little bit to a verbal and, um mental abuse and how that sticks with you more than physical
2: in some ways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: in some, like
0: w- it doesn't always cause physical pain can go away. Yeah.
2: But the emotional scars are very deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The I feel like when you're physically abused, um, from what I've heard from other people that it's the emotional fear, the psychological warfare from that physical abuse is what stays with you. Cause the wounds themselves heal, mm-hmm. but the trauma doesn't always like, and it, even when you, progress towards healing it sticks with you like I literally went to the gym with my boyfriend um for the first time yesterday and part of the reason that was the first time was because I had this insecurity because of how this person that I was talking about already in particular would talk about my body and um indirectly insult me and kind of make me feel like I wasn't good enough and how he wanted this girl who was gonna be this gym buddy of his and swole mates and a lot of other Did you just terms. say swole mate? Yes, that is that is what he said, yeah. That is what he had said.
0: I like that term but I don't like him already. Yeah.
1: yeah. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Yeah. He he was not great to me, so and you know, it was just not a great place for me mentally and emotionally. Um, he, he said I would do a lot of things that would hurt. And every time I tried to talk and like, hey, this was like I it took me so long to get up the courage because I was afraid to say anything to upset him, um, to make him upset or sad or angry. Um, I was I was fearful of being truthful a lot of the time in that relationship. and um, Were you
2: scared of losing him or were you scared <clears> throat> of, throat> I was like if he escalated?
1: I was scared of his reactions. I mean, I think maybe in the back of my mind, I thought, well, what if he actually does hit me? Mm-hmm. But I was just scared of his reactions, some of the things he could say out of anger. Or he honestly had a lot going on in his life also, and I didn't want to add to that. Um, for me part of an insecurity from when I was growing up is that I don't want to add on to somebody else's burden Um, you know I didn't want to look sad because I didn't want to put that on somebody else's plate because I felt like I was inconveniencing them and you know um, a lot of those misconceptions that I had come from when i was little and um, my grandfather had passed away and it i was mourning him all the time i was crying constantly and it was and i could tell that it hurt my parents even though they didn't want to say anything i could tell that um my constant crying and how difficult it was for me to get over it was hurting them and bringing it back up again into their lives and You know, I don't know why I decided that, but I just kind of decided that those kinds of feelings were burdens on others and they were better left unseen and unheard. And that's very much not the case. Being able to express those things have really set me free, even though it is still hard for me to show them a lot of the time. I prefer my happy-go-lucky bubbly personality, like, which is, is me. It's not a facade. It's not like anything fake about me. It's just that um, I use that part of me to cover up the other parts that I'm not as comfortable sharing. But yeah, it, I went through. I went through a lot, and I went through a lot of it without reaching out for help. And so I feel like I really needed something that I didn't know was helping me to actually get me through that, and that was dance because it. Started healing me without me realizing it without me having to ask for help It was honestly it was the first thing I really stuck to even though I was afraid Because mostly everything else in my life the moment I felt afraid of Being accepted of being oh, what if I'm not good at it? I would give it up and I would do something else. I was very quick to drop stuff most of my life, but dance (laughs) that's relatable (laughs) I feel like most people have this problem but like I just had it chronically like I couldn't I would just pick up and drop projects like I was playing hot potato you know like it was constant
2: my mom would literally tell me that if you can't do something perfectly don't do it at all
1: Oh, God.
2: (laughs) So that was, like, my whole mentality. So I totally get that. That idea of, like, oh, I'm not good at it, so I can't do it. Yeah. Uh,
1: Like, uh, and versus me now, I I feel so, so different, even though I still have a lot of these insecurities with me. Now I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do this imperfectly because if I, it's better to do something imperfectly than to not do it at all.
2: Yeah, no, totally.
1: So, but it took me so long to freaking get to that point. So. Here we are, but um, but dance, I stuck up for it. I had somebody who was essentially kind of following me around, not quite a stalker, but enough to make me feel uncomfortable. Would follow me around the room when we were in the same so- dance social when he knew I didn't want to see him. That I is was this f-
2: the same boyfriend, or is this a new guy? This
1: is the same ex boyfriend. Oh, okay, yep. Okay. And I was afraid to be at socials. I was afraid to be out there and dance like he made me uncomfortable. Um, I was afraid of his reactions, of him causing a huge scene again, of, well, he was just yelling and running after me, but what would he do now? Um, Did he
0: introduce you to dance?
1: He did. He was the one who took me to dance. So it's just kind of really interesting that the person who brought me into this world that helped me more than anything else was also one of the people who hurt me the most. And um, it is so hard to talk about it because um, in the dance scene, I haven't really talked about some of the things that he had done. Um, And if I did, not in great detail because he's still in the dance scene and he for a while seemed like he was trying to do better like he was trying to drink less because a big part of his problem was alcoholism um and he would just drink his feelings away and that's when he would scare me the most with some of the things that he would say and things he would do and half the time he wouldn't remember things and it that was even more scary like you don't even know what you would have done or not done Um. But he seems to be trying to do better for himself. And I don't want to damage um, what dance could possibly do for him still. Because even though I don't particularly care to have him in my life anymore. um, I do wish him the best. I want him to heal. Like I want myself to heal. I don't know where um, some of the stuff that he had done came from. But... I believe he deserves opportunity to try to do better for himself and heal but for me having to fight past that fear of him as he would follow me around the room at a social and I would start to like hide by kind of like the DJ booth where places I knew he wouldn't really go Um, and I started making friends that way though because I was always hanging out in the same spots where I felt the most safe and I created my own community out of that and there were so many people I thought well I'm not with this person anymore they're not gonna want to talk to me they're not gonna dance with me it's gonna be so awkward they're gonna make they're gonna try and like make me leave the community or just ignore me and it wasn't like that at all like the people were just like you know once they found out that I wasn't with him anymore though they wouldn't ask about it they would leave it alone they, they would just oh hey how are you like oh hey do you want to dance like It was a kind of acceptance I hadn't necessarily seen other places before and it was beautiful and it was wonderful and those people really made a difference in my life. I had really strong mentors who were very good people who um, really looked out for me that were there for me almost from the beginning and if i needed to reach out to them right now and for anything like hey i'm having a really bad mental health day right now and i need some guidance i need some help i just need to vent they would be there for me whether i've talked to them recently or not so i've really made some amazing amazing friendships and um, long-term just like dance relationships with people that are so precious to me and even though this social dance community is very much more on the party side like there's salsa clubs and there's drinking and there's this and lots of stuff can go wrong um our social scene in any city is not perfect by far but um there's always people who really care about it who really just love the dance for the dance itself and the community and overall it is a force for good and expression and joy and honestly just um, a way to relieve a lot of the stresses in our everyday lives. Um, More of what I would focus on would be more separate from the social dance community because people who have been through extreme trauma probably would not um, thrive as much in that kind of environment with all the drinking and all the um, unknowns Mm -hmm. that come with stuff sometimes that, being in a very secured safe place with respect and people being open-minded and understanding of each other accepting of of all people of all everything in general
0: what are your aspirations with dance like do you want your own studio eventually what do you have any like bigger picture ideas that you
1: want to make happen Um, I do eventually I want to have my own program I want to have um, a regimented program for people who who want to come and I want to find a way to make dance therapy dance movement therapy acceptable to insurance companies so people can afford this because I feel like it is a, a need an untapped need that some people could really benefit from just like Not everybody would benefit from music therapy. Some people need meditation. Some people need art therapy. Some people need another form of expression. Everybody is different. But for me, I found my thing, but I didn't know it existed. So how many people out there could this help that don't even know that it's here? So for me, a lot of my goals and aspirations are awareness, are creating a regimented program for people, and making this acceptable to insurance companies so people could actually afford it.
2: Mm-hmm. I can totally see how, like, a dance group therapy would be so incredibly, like, beneficial to people. Like, mm-hmm. I can, like, totally imagine how, like, wonderful that could be for people, especially those who've had, like, who have suffered traumas. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like um, I feel like lots of people can benefit from it um, with or without traumas, but especially, like, people who have issues with personal space and had that unfortunately had their their autonomy their control taken away from them Mm -hmm. and now have to find a way to reclaim it for themselves it's not an easy thing to do um part of what got me into this and on this particular track was i met a friend who originally wanted to use footage of me and his um dance empowerment video, like because he did human trafficking awareness. And I was like, oh wow, that sounds amazing. You know, like of course, you know, let's, let's, you can use whatever footage or I'll go film with you, no problem. And along this road, I became much closer with this person and we became good friends and we started, um, he started inviting me to help him out with little projects and stuff in that nature. Cause he's not a dancer, he's a videographer, a media person. And so um, I was kind of like the dance liaison he had while he was in LA. And um, I eventually met um, a a friend of his who he had worked with before. And her name is Stacy Jewell. She's a human trafficking survivor who is also an advocate. She's created a play about what happened to her, about her life. And it is very powerful. She's performed at, at many places, the Kennedy Center and, and many more all over the place. Um, she's a very, very strong person, very caring person. And she shared her story with me. And this came after I gave her a very introductory dance lesson into Brazilian Zouk, um, which is one of the main dances I feel like would really benefit people as well um and for her it is she said it it helped her even that small very short very introductory lesson helped her and that like changed something in me it made me want to be able to do this for others it made me want to expand my thinking of what dance can really do for people and it has made me quite passionate that to dance can make a huge difference in people's huge difference in people's lives.
0: Can you tell us a little more about Brazilian? Did you say Zouk? Yes, Brazilian Zouk. Can you tell us more about like that
1: particular dancing style? Oh, I could tell you things for days. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I had started with salsa bachata originally, but Brazilian Zouk is what I've dedicated most of my time to it is a beautiful dance it descended from lambada and it is a dance that just it's beautiful and flowy and there's nothing else quite like it because it borrows from different styles as well it still has a lot of the fluidity and the circular motions of lambada but it includes things from ballet like we tendu our toes and you know we do plies and we it helps us move across the floor um, It so it has influences from other dance styles as well and it's something quite beautiful to behold and it can be done by yourself it can be done with a partner it is primarily a partner dance but this dance there's something about it the way that is you lead and follow this dance that is just transcendent. It feels spiritual. And Zouk dancers have um, kind of gotten this nickname as like the hippies of the Latin dancing in a way because <laughs> we talk about it and we're just like, yeah, and then you feel the air in your lungs and you release <laughs> and we sound like someone's modern teacher sometimes um, but there are a lot of modern and um, ballet influences so it makes sense but um, you know you feel the floor with your toes and we have a lot of crazy turns and spins and and things that you don't aren't able to spot as a dancer um, a lot of crazy hair flips we're known for that too uh <laughs> And, um, but I feel like for Zouk dancers, a lot of us hold this huge passion because of that spirituality in the dance. Because when we dance Zouk, we literally have classes taught about the breath of Zouk. Because you come close to your partner in this embrace and this hug, and and you breathe together. You're on the same breath together in the same dance, expressing yourself to this song together. And it's pure human interaction at its finest. It's one of the most beautiful things that I've experienced. And and yeah, I I sound like a hippie when I talk about it because...
2: Girl, you are in the right place. (laughs) It is
1: beautiful and it is wonderful and everyone should try it.
0: (laughs) Just from your description, I can see like how and why i can i can heal your passion when you talk about zook and um from the description i the way that you had described like how you feel your toes on the floor i can see why you would use it to like recreate reclaim like and assert yourself with your body and get to know your body again because i feel like those are perfect descriptions on ways and like exercises on how to Mm -hmm. reaffirm yourself in that
1: yeah just like one of the things that's transcendent of, of all these different spoken languages that we have in the world um, is body language. So much of our communication is body language. Before any kind of spoken language comes out of our mouths, we've already had a conversation with how our bodies are moving. And the same is so dance is transcendent of spoken languages. It is a language you tell while dancing. I dance with people and I we speak completely different languages and I couldn't understand them if I tried. Um, but we can understand the dance. We dance can understand
0: the language that you're understanding with yeah. one another.
1: It, it is a beautiful language. Isn't that a Jason Derulo song? Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm sure somebody said it. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a quote somewhere out there and you know very general gestures that even um cross dance styles like in a social dance having an open hand you're asking someone to dance with you everybody can understand this no matter what language you speak you can understand it's an invitation and you know to how to create a moment with somebody and there's a lot of things that can happen on the dance floor and they can stay on the dance floor they can go elsewhere if you wanted them to not gonna lie some people in the social dancing get quite flirty (laughs) but um you know but for me first and foremost the dance is about the spirit of the dance the connection of the dance of creating a moment with this other person that you may or may not know you can dance with complete strangers but um you know, in this community, people deserve to feel safe, to be able to dance with strangers and to just experience a moment with a complete stranger. You know, we're all different, but we're all similar. You know, human beings are complicated at best. And I feel like dance is a great connecting point, great commonality um, that I share with so many other people around the world. And, um, you know, I can't wait to to share it more to bring more awareness to all this stuff.
2: Do you have a moment from when you like first started dancing when you like knew that this is what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I was scared. I was fucking terrified. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a lot of curse on here, but oh, we, I did. We, we okay.
2: swear
0: all the time. Very explicit. Yes.
1: Oh, Oh, my. You've been warned, everyone. <laughs> They're very explicit. Um, I was scared out of my mind. I was like, I, I didn't feel good enough. Like in my heart, I knew I wanted this thing and I just was like, I will never be good enough for this. Um, and I really went to one of my, my mentors, you know, um, who's also Christina, by the way, (laughs) And I asked her, I was like, how did you know? Like, how did you know this is what you wanted? Like, that you could do this? Like, what made you, you know? And she's just like, she's like, I felt it. And I knew, you know, it was one of those things. And she was just very encouraging with me. She's like, if this is what you want to do, go after it, get it. And I feel like I, even still with this encouragement, I stunted a lot of my own growth by, um, listening too much to my insecurities and um, maybe not pursuing things as much as I would have wanted to. Um, but over time, I my confidence grew and my friend circle grew, the community grew. And so I saw so many things and so many things of human, examples of human kindness, and just the beauty of what dance could really do. And I knew that I can do this. I will do this because this is my passion and I am good enough. I can train and be physically good enough. I was always good enough to put my hat in the ring and to try. Um, coming to terms with some of these things are still hard for me. Like, it's even kind of hard to say out loud a little bit. Um, and I have so many people who would be like, of course you were, you always were, and very encouraging, but my internal voice is kind of an asshole, so. <laughs>
2: um,
1: How do you think,
2: Do you or do you think at all that, like, your bisexuality and your insecurities in that did they play in at all to your insecurities and in dance did they help was there like a back and forth do you feel like
1: they're connected in some way or I feel like um to an extent they are connected just because for me at first when I started dancing I was not really completely out I was still kind of coming to terms with letting myself in my mind accept that I was, let alone telling other people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, dance did help me gain the strength to be more secure in who I was and now I can share it and it's just a piece of me, it's a part of me. And it is a part of who I am and I'm okay with that. Like I accept that part of myself. Like I wasn't there when I started dancing at all. Like I was still very nervous about it in general Um, After so much time of being in denial, it was a lot. And then also, I did feel some insecurity about it, though, because in dance, especially Latin dance, there's still a lot of gender stereotypes that the man is always the lead and the female is always the follow. Um, Amazingly enough, there's a lot of people breaking that mold who are showing, yeah, girls can lead, men can follow.
0: Do you ever get that opportunity to lead?
1: I do. And actually, some of the first opportunities were kind of scary because I would dance with my friends and it was fine. But the moment I would ask another girl to dance that I didn't know, I got turned down so much. And they would look at me funny. And I was just like, my inner voice was so like, oh, my God, you know, scared. And then I thought, well, you know, for me, part of my insecurities of being bisexual is like, look, Just because I'm bisexual doesn't mean I'm attracted to just anybody who walks in the door. That's not how that works, man. (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to hit on you just by being nice. Like, I'm just trying to be nice. Mm -hmm. So then I got worried that like, oh, great. Like, now what if people find out and they think that I'm trying to make a move on them by asking them to dance, you know? And it's like, you know, like, I want to just dance. If something happens after that, you know, that's a whole other issue. (laughs) But I'm here just to dance, like just to have fun and to learn how to lead. And um, but that was more back when I first started dancing. Now it's a lot more accepted. Um, A lot more people are making great moves with it. Um, There's a lot of like also LGBT inclusivity. And um, there's actually their own. They're having their own Congress in the Bay Area. And I think it's phenomenal and amazing that they the whole Congress, um, it, I believe it's called like the Queer Latin Dance Festival. Oh, that's and,
2: awesome.
1: And I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Are you going to go? I really want to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if I can get the time off of work. But we'll, I will really, make it <laughs> I really want to go because I think it's the most beautiful thing because it's literally a place where people can go and just be themselves and be safe and have fun and enjoy what dance is really about which I feel dance is really about bringing people together.
0: This year will be the third annual queer Latin dance festival. Yeah. That's really cool.
1: And uh, yeah. And it's so it's their
2: third Friday, year. June 12th. Yeah. In San Jose.
1: It, you if know. you don't get
2: the time off, I'll take your shift and work. <laughs> Same queen.
1: Aww, <laughs> you guys are the best. But um, yeah, it's very exciting. Um, are you out to your family? To some of my family, yes. Um, not necessarily to all of my family as a whole. And it's not that I think that my extended family wouldn't accept me. It's just that um I it was hard enough for me to tell my parents, and I knew my parents were going to love me regardless. I wasn't like see, I just had a very sheltered, fortunate life where I knew even coming out to my parents, I wasn't gonna get kicked out of the house. I didn't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents may not have exactly understood, but they loved me and that to them, they're like, you're you and that's what matters to us. You being happy is what matters to us. And I'm so grateful, so grateful for them. But it was really emotional for me to try and tell them. And um, my dad's story, actually telling my dad is really funny. So he was watching a basketball game of some sort. And I come up to him like, Dad, can I talk to you for a second? He's like, yeah, what's up? My dad was a very gruff man. He's like, yeah, what do you want? (laughs) And I was like, can you pause it? He's like, oh, shit. He's thinking I crashed my car. I did something dumb. I ran over someone's dog. I don't know. (laughs) Like, my dad's thinking I killed somebody. Like, and I'm in deep shit running from the cops or like, I don't know. Like, he just had this look. of like, what did this kid do that she's making me pause my game right now? Like, you know, that's not
2: serious shit. Yeah.
1: He's like. Oh, he's looking at me like, oh, my God, what did you do? And I told him and my dad looked at me. He's like, seriously, you made me pause my game for that? I could have told you that much. I knew. And he like click. And he went back to watching it zero fucks given
0: i love that
1: (laughs) he was like i could have told you that much i was like oh my god so i'm sitting there on the verge of tears i'm like are you kidding me (laughs) are you kidding me right now and he was like no like i knew that like like, this was supposed to be my moment (laughs) (laughs) the worst part of a the whole thing is when my dad tried to have the safe sex talk with me twice because like we had the one about boys a long time ago but now, but now he tried to have he's like i don't know exactly how that works and everything you know but, what but you need a, you need to figure <laughs> up. you need to figure out how to have you know be safe and so it was extremely awkward i was like dad we're not talking about this
2: <laughs> You're like, I promise I'll educate myself if we never talk about this ever again. The the
1: first talk, he he trapped me in a car, so I couldn't go (laughs) anywhere. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah.
2: Do you want to talk a little bit about your culture? Is that something you want to talk about or like your culture and it's like, and dance?
1: I feel like... um, If
2: not, we don't have
1: to. No, I feel like, um, well, I do dance a Brazilian dance now. I'm not Brazilian. A lot of people think I am because I, I picked up a few, I can't talk in complete sentences, but I picked up a little bit of Brazilian Portuguese along the way. So people will be like, oh, are you Brazilian? And I'm like, no, actually, I'm half Puerto Rican and I'm half Mexican American. Um, But part of my love from dance comes from my dad. And my dad was Puerto Rican and... When I was a little girl, my dad would have salsa music blasting in the garage while he was doing yard work, working on his bikes, whatever. Um, and he would pull out these instruments from Puerto Rico and he would pull them out and he'd be playing them, his huido and his maracas. And he would just be like jamming out in the garage. And I would come in and be like, oh, I want to I wanna dance. I want to have fun. And my dad, I was little enough, my dad would stand me on his feet and he would dance with me. And that's honestly where I got my love of dance. I never really pursued it. I never asked to take dance lessons or really anything of that nature. And I don't know why. I feel like I probably could have gotten a great head start on all (laughs) this stuff.
2: It happened when it was supposed to happen.
1: I think so. I think timing was everything. But I got that love of dance from my dad, from, from listening to music, to hearing him explain to me what they were saying because i didn't grow up speaking spanish um because my mom didn't speak so my dad really didn't speak it in the house very much but he would say you know you hear that in their voices you hear what they're saying he's like um because some of these songs were were like old school puerto rican songs and it's country folk it's country folk and they're they're singing out their their problems their poverty their hardships their heartaches all, all the things that have been going wrong in Puerto Rico from the beginning of them being a U.S. territory, things have been going wrong and they have been mistreated and put down, had things forced upon them that they didn't deserve and didn't want. Um, and even now, the, the, the fact that they're going through such hardships after these earthquakes and Hurricane Maria and people are finding warehouses full of aid that was never distributed. Yeah. Um, it's heart-wrenching, it's hurtful, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a friend, um, Joe Quinones, who, she is half Puerto Rican, half Dominican, she has family on the island still, and she found a way to ship stuff directly to the people, Mm -hmm. because if you send stuff to the Red Cross during Hurricane Maria, nothing was getting through.
2: Yeah, the government was, like, withholding stuff, it was awful. it
1: was horrifying like you maintain that this is your territory but we are a forgotten piece of land the only thing we're good for is the military base Mm -hmm. we had citizenship forced upon us because they needed soldiers to put on the front lines the burinqueneers the burinqueneers were army regiments that were put on the front lines because they didn't care what happened to us yeah and people don't get taught that in your history classes you know, but we are u s citizens. We've always been u s citizens, you know, since all that happened. Um, but our votes don't count. We can't vote for president if you live on the island, but if you move and you live on mainland, you can vote for president, but the people on the island can't vote for president, and
2: it's
0: correct. So you're considered a citizen, but you can't vote if you're still on the island.
2: Yeah, you still have to pay taxes, and they don't have any representation, right? There's no Puerto Rican there, congressman. Um, they're getting more
1: re- um, representation, but it's kind of like an empty promise. Because it's like
2: there is a congressman, but like he can't vote. or Yeah. Anything. It's like he just sits in the room. Pretty much.
1: For the yeah. most part, they're like, like, oh, can we please have, you know, aid for stuff? That'd be cool things, mm-hmm. you know, without really being able to do anything about it. Um, and there is corruption in the Puerto Rican government as is, and honestly, a part of that is a lot of the institutions forced upon the island from the U.S. in the first place, so...
2: I've read so much about like the these like crazy laws that were like implemented that like Mm -hmm. just essentially like fuck over Puerto Rico like completely. They want to talk about shipping. (laughs) They make it like very like lucrative for like white people from America to go move there and like they can get all these tax breaks and like they can live good lives and they can have like charter schools for their children. But like if you live on the island and you are like you know, indigenous to Puerto Rico, you're just, like, screwed over. Like, oh, yeah. You have, like, nothing. Big time. You're stripped of, like, all your rights. It's, like, super fucked up.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it really is. And, it, and it's call, caused a lot of um, civil disruption on the island, even. There's, like, two groups of people. There's people who are, are really fighting for their island. They want to be separate from the U.S. and other people who are leaving. Mm-hmm. People who are leaving their island to pursue better lives for their children. That's what my grandmother did she took her she won the puerto rican lottery which was not much mind you (laughs) it was not a lot but it was enough to get her her mom and her kids to new york so you know it was enough for her to try and start over for her life and even then she ended up having to go on welfare like taking care of three kids is not easy and you know she would tell me stories of having to wait hours in line for a single block of cheese you know, at, like it was never an easy life, even after coming to the mainland. You know a lot of a lot of Puerto Ricans who moved to the mainland, especially during those times, and um, a lot of them ended up in like Florida or New York. like none of them really came on easy times when they got here. But um, it still created better lives for their children than staying on the island might have, depending on their own circumstances there. You know, my, my abuela, she met the love of her life in New York. You know, her second husband was the one who she, who loved and was there and was, that was my dad's father. He might not have been his biological father, but that was my dad's father. That's my grandpa. Mm-hmm. That's my pop because he taught my dad right from wrong. Even though he passed away when I was still very young, his lessons, Usa la cabeza. use your head, <laughs> you know, like it's simple as that. Use your freaking head, you know. You know all these these things and his little quirks are are passed down in my family. He's a big part of of our family and and who we've become. And um, he was an amazing, amazing, phenomenal person. You know all the our whole story of how my family ended up in California is is amazing. The fact that they survived it all, that they managed, that they. My dad ended up in a job that afforded him to get him into middle class. Like, his parents never owned a house, never really had much to their name. My dad managed to buy his parents a house to live in, to buy himself a house, to start a family, um, and to pass those things on to me and my brother. You know, moving to America afforded my dad that. If he had stayed on the island, it might not have been like that. And it's just very unfortunate that if we're all American citizens, why is it so different? Mm -hmm. Those opportunities should be there for the people on the island so they don't have to choose between their home and, you know, and all at the time when my grandmother left and sometimes still now, the racism and the, and just the discrimination they faced. So it, it shouldn't have to come down to that. You should be able to, to thrive in your homeland without all these these circumstances and tax breaks for people who want to buy up land and use it as a tourism spot um tourism's not bad but when all the profits are going to the wrong people instead of the people of that land then then that's a problem yeah um but you know music and movement is definitely a huge part of of the puerto rican people like they have so many dances and so much to their culture is music, is dance, you know, like all, like so much good salsa music has come from Rico, and from Cuba, like these places that were oppressed and the people took to the street and they danced, you know, salsa now is this beautiful performing art, it can be beautiful cabaret art, there's like world competitions on this, but it started off with people dancing in the streets. It was a street dance. It was never meant for this. But it was just pure expression. And it evolved into a different kind of expression as people went along. People and new generations adding to it, creating more with it. And I think that's beautiful of dance is that it can evolve into something um, to suit each generation, what each generation needs and wants from it, that you can get so many different things from it. Every th- time you you think you're done, there's a new dance style waiting for you around the corner. Um, my list of things to learn is long, and <laughs> we'll see how far I make it down that list. But so many inspirational things out there.
2: All right, so since we are called Be My Beard, how we end all of our podcasts is we ask people, like, who or what was your beard? Like, what helped you become person you are today for you I feel like we this entire episode is us talking about your
1: beard but you know what dance definitely is a great part of my life that helped develop me into who I am today but also even before dance I had this ability to kind of turn on this persona and it's kind of like a character I kind of made up for myself I never gave it a name or anything but it gave me more confidence when I was competing in swim in high school I would just okay just focus just look across that that thing pick a spot just look at it you're fine you're not nervous about being like up in front of everybody else and stage fright um, And my mom would laugh because I told her that she's like, you scare the heck out of all those other girls because you look so serious. (laughs) You know, and but the same thing with dance, like um, a part of, I guess, my beard would be actually performing dance specifically because, you know, it allows me to to rise to an occasion to be a little uncomfortable, but to enjoy myself. It helps push me past the bound these invisible boundaries i set myself at it helps me break my boundaries it helps me grow as a person
2: wonderful and then is there anything
1: you want to like plug like do you teach dance locally um as far as plugging anything for the past many years if you remember i talked about my friend who wanted footage of me for his empowerment stuff i actually joined his organization that he had that was he was trying to start um it's still in some beginning processes because life is wild and a Mm -hmm. crazy roller coaster and we've had some setbacks, but it's, um, and we're even possibly going to go through a name change. But (laughs) (laughs) as of right now, um, um, we are the priceless movement and it is a human trafficking awareness, um, organization using media and visual arts, such as dance, um, as a way to, to storytell and to grab interest and a lot of it is embracing um, our own sexualities and who we are and expressing ourselves however is comfortable to each person it's going to be under the mahalia project and that is it's literally going to be mahalia project on instagram so m-a-h-a-l-i-a project and there's some visual arts on there Um, I will eventually be creating, um, my own Instagram separate from my personal one that will be attached to this project. Um, I don't have that up yet, but I will let you guys know. Um, but yeah, Mahalia project is something I've been a part of, um, for a while, for a while now. Um, and a lot of it right now is very much focused on awareness and I've even taken, some time off from it after my father passed away. Um, I went through a lot of turmoil during that. So I wasn't really quite conductive towards what I wanted and needed to do for this project. So um, I am still a part of it, but more kind of like a behind the scenes kind of way. But um, as my healing journey continues, I'm going to be getting more and more active and back into things and eventually my hope is to start teaching brazilian zoo here in sacramento um and to be creating that awareness through everybody in the social dance scene about um you know respect of boundaries um consent and dance and um how everybody can have a really wonderful time and things are so much better when you don't have to worry about um all these unspoken things you know and um so yeah
2: well let us know we want to sign up and take your class
1: yeah i'll let you know when i get home i'm putting so much pressure on myself by putting it on here but i i feel like i kind of need Maybe that little like the, like, kick in the, in the butt <laughs> yeah.
0: the momentum you mentioned it now you have to do something about yeah. it yeah
1: like see i'm, I'm manifesting we'll my reality you hold yourself
0: accountable yeah, we oh have no we
1: will be oh no <laughs> be my beard right,
2: any other last minute things anything you wanted to add or do you feel
1: good i feel good i feel like we had a great time are Dad. you
0: comfortable with this um putting like your instagram on like your instagram at all that information on your uh, episode
1: description
2: yes yeah. okay cool you didn't like introduce yourself using your full name and then you said you weren't out to your family so i just wanted to make sure you
1: are oh i i don't have a problem with that okay. that's fine okay. I, I don't get get have a with that sure. Either the people who matter most, I have told myself or have heard through the rumor mill that is my family. Mm-hmm. So um, great Latin
0: families. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we've, we've got our own system. And honestly, though, I am kind of happy that it reached to um, the rest of my family because now I have my cousin Sid, who is transgender and had to come out to everybody. And it was very emotional for him, especially when people were using the wrong pronouns. And it was never out of a disrespect to him, but more of people, my family was struggling to understand and adjust. But I feel like pretty much everyone handled it with grace and love. And um, I feel like we were able to bond and have conversations over that. And I'm really glad I was able to be there for him.
2: I love that. I love I think we I love that we can have stories of like supportive and loving families as much as we have stories. It is possible friends
1: like, you know, I just I can't understand what goes through the mind of somebody who wouldn't still love their family, Mm -hmm. regardless of who they discover they are, because that's life. You're discovering who you are and that can change over time you know so that is the
2: entire premise of this podcast mm-hmm.
1: you know so love people for themselves man it's not i don't feel like it's hard but
0: yeah <laughs> i need to have miles put snaps yeah Snap. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't feel like that's hard but you know <laughs> all right beautiful thank you for coming Would you like to be our next guest? Email us at bemybeardpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube, and let us know what you'd like to hear.
2: Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast.
0: Beamed by the marvelous Wayne jetski We'd also like to give a special thanks to Miles Mitchell, our lovely editor. We would like to give a fabulous thank you to Quinn Lighting, our new social media manager. Welcome to the team.
2: All rights reserved.
0: We would like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on this journey. Follow your heart. And be the best you can be.